has reached zero. <laughs> it's launching time. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Well, I'm going to get out of the way because we have some songs coming up. If you're able, let's all stand. And we're going to sing Great and Mighty and What a Mighty God We Serve. And then the chorus, the, I call it the Pumpkin Center song where I grew up. What a Mighty God We Serve, going right into each song. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Lift up your banner, let the anthems ring. Praises to our King. Great and mighty is the Lord our Oh, mighty God, we serve. 
God's children said, Amen. You may be seated. Well, welcome this morning. We have a few guests. And if you are a guest, well, there's a connect card in the songbook rack in front of you, in the back of the pew in front of you. Just uh, fill that out and leave it either in your pew or drop it in the little lockbox back there. That's where we put our offerings now. And uh, that way we can connect with you. Um, today we're going to have singing at the guest house at 3 o'clock. Anyone who likes to make a joyful noise to the Lord, come and join us and uh, we will be a blessing to the old people there in the guest house. Wednesday, we'll have Bible study with Brother Masters again. Next Sunday, worship service with Masters. Good to, there you are. Good to have you back. <laughs> Your wife did a good job while you were away. Matter of fact, we thought about hiring her. And <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, we got a rummage sale on the July 22nd. Um, This is the first Sunday, and we sing happy birthday to, who all has a birthday this month? Hold your hand up. All right. Now, I don't have something for everybody, but I have something for someone special. Let's sing happy birthday to everybody. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Does anybody celebrate anniversaries this month? Nobody? Well, you'll catch me in Betty next month. But uh, I'm surprised there's no anniversaries in July. All right, so we won't sing Abbott. All right, so I guess in that case, I will, uh, well, I do want to share a little thing with you here. Judges 6.14 says, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? In Gideon's mind, victory of the Midianites, the Bible don't tell us how many there were, but my estimate, personal estimate, is 100,000 or so. It was an impossibility. Gideon only had 32,000 men mustered with him. Now that's 32,000 against 100,000. You might imagine he could eke out a victory, but you remember the story. God said, you got too many. If you defeat them, you'll say, we did it. We did it. You, and I won't I'll skip all the details. You know, it got down to 300 against 100,000 or so. Anyway, the Midianites, along with their allies, overwhelmed the feeble Hebrews. Yet the moment God told Gideon to fight them, victory was no longer an impossibility. When Jesus commanded his small group of followers to make disciples of all nations, was that possible? 
Certainly. If Jesus said it was, when Jesus told his disciples to love their enemies, was he being realistic? Of course, because he was the one who also would achieve reconciliation through them. Do you treat commands like these as impossible, implausible? Do you modify God's word to find an interpretation that seems reasonable to you? Don't discount what is possible with God. Philippians 4.13. When God gives an assignment, it's no longer an impossibility, but rather is an absolute certainty. When God gives you a seemingly impossible task, the only thing preventing it from coming to pass is your disobedience. When God speaks, it can scare you to death. He will lead you to do things that are absolutely impossible in your own strength, but God will grant you victory step by step as you obey Him. So just think about that. If Gideon can take 300 men and with God's help defeat a huge army, the Bible never says how many. It says they were innumerable. So if God tells you to do something, it's not impossible. It's possible if you obey God. All right, I'm going to step down a little our worship leaders sing some more. Our next song we're going to sing is called Goodness of God, and we're going to do it a little bit different. We're going to sing the first verse in chorus, and then Rachel's going to sing the second verse to us in Spanish, and then we'll join her on the chorus. So if you'll stand, if you're able, let's sing this beautiful song. running after, it's running after 
continue standing we're going to sing we have a hope we're going to sing two verses of that and then we'll go right into we worship and adore go to prayer I'll go over some prayer requests here I've got uh, one added that's not in your bulletin Ron and Jean Cudi you know our missionaries in uh, Turkey are in Greece and they're going to be passing out Greek Bibles in Athens so remember them there as they uh, are doing that mission work 
and of course remember them as they uh, work in Turkey. Uh, our prayer request are Marvin McConnell had a stroke. David Chandler had a burn on his face and arms. I understand uh, trying to light a brush fire. Keep remembering Maria and L.B. Honeycutt. Sandy Adams is doing better, but still continue to remember her for the pain. Jason Lewis in Kentucky. Baby is Eon uh, is doing better. Dennis and Renee Moore, Monroe. D is gallbladder surgery. Don't remember uh, our singing at the guest house this afternoon. Our shut-ins are lost, and of course, all of our missionaries. And when I say all of our missionaries, I don't mean just the ones that's on our missions budget, but all missionaries. And I would include missionaries from every church because they're all out there doing God's work, and we're all part of God's family. So when you pray for missionaries, include them all. All right, Brother Dan, I'm going to let you do your number on this. He's going to let me. <laughs> Hey, let's bow our heads. I want us to also remember as we pray to thank the Lord for this good country we live in, this free country. This is July 4th weekend, and we live in a wonderful country. Now, there's a lot of people that put it down these days, but it's still the greatest country in the face of the earth. And we need to thank the Lord for that. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, again, what a privilege and honor it is to be able to share together with God's people on the Lord's day. We thank you for your goodness as we sang that, Father. You're always faithful. You are always good, so good to us. And we want to bless your name this morning. We bless the Lord all our souls, as David wrote. Bless his holy name and forget none of its benefits. Forgives all of our iniquities. Who heals all of our diseases. And Lord, I like the one that renew you, renew our strength like that of our youth. Lord, we're so grateful, Father, for life that you've given us. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life on, on a cross, Lord, for us, that we could have eternal life. Thank you for a resurrected and empty tomb, Father, to know that you're not in that tomb, but you live in our hearts. Lord, we're thankful, Father, for this church family, for what it means. Thank you for the different ministries, Lord, that, that she has had through the years and, and continues today, Father. And I pray that, you, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would continue to use us for your glory, Father, and the different outreaches to, to, our, uh, to children, to youth, to adults, and even those that are uh, in their later years, Father. Lord, we want to see your people worship you and grow in a closer relationship with you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we are instructed for that instruction to pray one for another. And we remember these, these um, uh, prayer requests upon this list this morning. There are those that would be in the house of the Lord this morning, Lord, if they were able. But we know, Lord, that your strength is, is able, your strength is willing. And Lord, as we call upon the name of the Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would intervene in their midst, wherever they may be, whether it be a hospital or whether it be a home, whether it be a nursing home. Father, I pray, your, Lord, your, your, you are not confined to any space or even time. And so we ask that you, you would minister to them, Lord, this day. Lord, there are needs in this congregation here this morning. We've come, Lord, to worship you. But, Lord, many of us have come with heavy burdens that we bear. And, Lord, this morning I pray that we would 
allow ourselves to just come before your throne and empty ourselves, pour out our hearts to you, Father, and allow you to embrace us and to love us and to fill us with your peace and with your joy. We're so grateful, Father, for the country that we live in. We're so thankful for the freedoms that we are able to enjoy. We recognize there's many people, many Christians around the world that are not able to worship in this way this morning because of the lack of freedom. Lord, we pray, Lord, for them this morning. That you would empower them, that you would grant them courage and bravery. And Lord, challenge our hearts, Father, that we may live as the free people you have called us to be in Christ Jesus. Lord, bless the service. Bless the words of Scripture. May it come alive to us and may it be personal. And now we pray together that prayer that you taught your disciples. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forget our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. And I know this next song, I, 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 I almost forgot it was 4th of July weekend. And I said, we got to stick one in here about singing about our country. So, uh, you know, years ago, Lynn and I uh, went to uh, uh, Pike's Peak. And on Pike's Peak, there's a little, little thing, a little uh, monument that says, this is where the words of America the Beautiful was written. As you look out over the, over the mountains of Colorado, and it's a beautiful song. And we sing this unto the Lord in thanksgiving for what he has given us. Would you stand as we sing this song? out front. Melissa has you some goodies for the July 4th. She's got some spam. <laughs> That's what we all need for lunch, isn't it? I don't think it has spam on it, but it has, uh, it, it, there's some goodies out there. I, I, she got some stuff. She found some stuff I haven't had in a long time, long time. Hey, I appreciate each of you uh, bearing with me and, and uh, 
While I was gone the last two Sundays, I am appreciative of Carvin and, and my wife for filling in. Some things happened unexpectedly, and I had a, a family that, uh, that I've done a lot of funerals for their family back in Illinois, and they just felt like they needed me to come and do another family member. And uh, it happened all, all of a sudden, and I apologize for leaving you without telling a lot of people, but I knew I had somebody very capable of filling my shoes. At least she does a good job at home. I figured she'd do a good job here. Amen. <laughs> and Carvin, Carvin's always uh, got something to share, uh, something good about, uh, about the Lord, and I appreciate him uh, picking up the mantle and doing that. I just re re returned from uh, Tampa, Florida la this last Monday night and uh, uh, we uh, were there for some pretty intense meetings and services and I'll be honest with you, I'm glad to be home even with, despite the heat and uh, I've been looking forward to being back with you this morning. Now, what I would like for you to do is just smile at me just a little bit, just maybe a little creak and make you feel like you're glad I'm back. And I know that some of you will keep me on the clock now. You didn't have to do that with the others, but yes, I can see them tapping the watches already. Early in my ministry, in fact, even before I left college and I was going into my first church as a, an associate pastor, um, I had a, a professor came, came up to me when I was uh, getting ready for graduation and uh, told me something about as I was about to go to my first, first uh, place of ministry. And what he said was, don't expect too much. Now, think about that, how that would resonate with you. You're a young minister. You're all excited about going out into your first ministry. And I guess our youth sometimes gets away from us. But uh, he, said, don't, he said, don't expect too much. And I've lived with that for 45 years in the ministry of that little voice telling me, don't expect too much. But I want to tell you this morning, he was wrong. And, and, and I want to tell you, what, I, I expect much when God is in his people. Because where God is, there is miracles that are happening. And we should be people living with expectancy expectancy of new things that God has for his people. One of the uh, ministers that I heard last Sunday morning, his name was uh, Reverend Rod Stafford. I don't know if any of you know him, but he and I was not aware of his testimony. He's been at the same church in Fairfax, Virginia for 37 years. Can you imagine that? Having the same, you, 37 years with me, wouldn't that be pretty tough? He'd been there 37 years and he began to tell his ministry. He had a great flourishing ministry and he began to tell his story that two years ago, right before COVID, he was diagnosed with stage four cancer all over his body, his brain, his, his uh, kidneys, 
his liver, everything about him. He was telling about he was diagnosed with this stage four cancer. And uh, the prayer, prayer went out for him all over the world as it was requested. But he told us as he was sharing his testimony, he said, as he began to go through treatment and he began to go through this radiology treatment, he said it, was, it, was, it really amazed him. He said he really didn't feel like he had cancer. But when this, this, they began running the radio, radiology over him, he said he could hear little pings as he went through his body. And he didn't know what that was. But after several weeks of treatment, the doctors have said he's clear of cancer. He says that was a miracle. Do you believe in miracles this morning? I believe in miracles. You know, the history of God's people throughout all the generations is that miracles are commonplace. Miracles are commonplace among God's people. From Moses parting the Red Sea, Abraham having a son at the age of 100. Boy, is that a miracle or what? I guess it was his wife that had him. She was only 90. The miracle of Joshua and the children of Israel walking around Jericho for seven days and those tremendous, great, big, thick walls falling down and they didn't even fire a shot. What a miracle. A miracle for God's people. Well, we all know in the New Testament there was the miracle of the virgin birth of Jesus. And I want you to know it was a virgin birth because that was what was prophesied and that was what was done. A woman that had never had relationships with a man bore the Son of God with the seed of the Holy Spirit implanted in her. What a miracle that a Savior came for us in a miraculous way. We all needed a miracle in our life, didn't we? And Jesus came. There was the feeding of the 5,000. What a, I was watching something on a documentary last night about the Holy Land and it was talking about finding the places where Jesus did his miracles and how they were gradually uncovering different spots that had been unknown for years and they are finding out that some of these stories are actually true. Did you know that? Do you know the miracles as described in Jesus in the scripture are actually true? They're real. The miracles of the early church. The fact that we're able to he be here today and know that we have a Savior, Jesus Christ is his name. It's a miracle because it's a story that's lasted thousands of years now and it's for us today. What a miracle. Today I want to talk about expectations of miracles upon among us. You see, when I come to Cypress Street Church, I came with some expectancy. And I hope that when I came, you, you came to church with expectancy of what about this new guy? I came expecting miracles to happen here. I came expecting men and women to get saved, to give their life to Jesus Christ. That's a miracle in itself. 
I expect people to get their lives put back together by the power of God. Amen. I, I expect that. It, nothing surprises me when someone comes up, hey, God told me, God did this in my life. That is a miracle. Because you see, the world don't hear God too much these days. They hear too much of themselves. And I want to tell, talk, talk to you this morning about the miracle that took place in Acts chapter 3 this morning. Because it's a miracle and it challenges us to expect miracles. Reading from chapter 3 verses 1 through 10. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a certain man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. I want to stop right there. What was he expecting? He was expecting alms. But you see, God had something more special for him, didn't he? And sometimes we get to the place of this, this man here, this, 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 this lame man, that we are expecting certain things of life. But God wants to do so far more than we can ever imagine or think. I believe that. Verse 4, And Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze upon him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them his full attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver or gold. <laughs> Some of us could say that too, couldn't we? I do not possess silver or gold, but what I do have to you in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, I'm so glad it wasn't the left hand. That scripture said right hand. He raised him up and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And with a leap, he stood upright and he began to walk. And he entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they were taking note of him as being the one, excuse me, page fold, being the one who had, who, let me go back. I skipped a page. And they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Lord, bless this word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do miracles happen? You know, that's, a, that's a question that uh, I think we've got used to an answer. Oh, of course, miracles happen. But why do we believe that miracles really happen? If we say that they do happen today. And then we go to this scripture. And it asks the question, 
did this miracle really happen? And finally, can this sort of miracle happen to us today? Do miracles happen? Has a miracle happened to you? Have you experienced the miracle of God for your life? The biggest miracle is that Jesus sent his son here on earth to forgive us and to love us even when we didn't deserve it. That's what we call grace. That God sent his grace. That is a miracle. Now, the truth of the matter is how many of us would give our life for that person here today? That would be a miracle because that doesn't happen much in today's society. Miracles. You know, miracles happen in all different forms, but God is the author of all miracles. It's a miracle to me that we can plant a grain of corn into the ground and it comes up and it produces more corn, more grains of corn. It's a miracle to me to see how a man and a woman unite and from them they bear fruit and the two become three. Isn't that a miracle? It's a miracle how our bodies work. How is that if we feed ourselves correctly, some of us overcorrectly, it, it, it's a miracle that if we eat right and we exercise right, our bodies stay in tune for the most of us. It's a miracle what God does for us. If miracles still happen today, did this miracle that was documented here in Scripture happen? The scripture leads us to believe that it actually did happen. From verse 17, a testimony was given. And now, brethren, excuse me, is it 417? But in order, this happened that in order that it may not spread any farther among the people, let us warn them to speak no more of this man in his name. The other people didn't like this miracle that took place. And they warned others around him, don't talk about this miracle. But I believe miracles are meant to be talked about because I believe miracles point at others to God. I had the opportunity a couple weeks ago when I was flying back up to up north for the, the funeral. I, I, I don't like sitting by people on airplanes. I like to have an empty seat beside me. You know, that don't happen a whole lot today. So I had this empty seat right next to me and the plane filled up and boy, I thought, hey, I'm going to be all by myself. The last minute, the young man comes in. Guy's very physically fit. And he sits down beside me. I thought, oh, no. And um, before long, we started talking and I started learning about this guy. He was a professional softball player that traveled all over the country. I said, how in the world do you make a living? He said, well, there's somebody that has more money than knows what to do. He just puts it out to everybody and he buys his whole league. And he said, I never have to do anything. I just show up for the ball games, you know, and everything. And we were just talking. And then we got, the, our, our discussion went to uh, his family. And I said, well, how, how do you like your wife? How does your wife like you being away so much? And, and he said, well, said, she's okay. He said, my, he said, my, uh, 
Uh, my family is a very religious family. <clears throat> he didn't know where he was going, did he? And uh, so we, we, I started talking to him, and he said, yeah. He said, uh, my, uh, my in-laws didn't like me at first. He said, because uh, I was not a very godly man. I said, well, are you now? He said, well, we'll get to that later. And then anyhow, we, in, the, in the core of this conversation, it went to the whole family were Christians except for him. And he says, I know I need to. I said, I, and I asked him, I said, what would happen if, 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 if the Lord came or if y'all died and they went to heaven and you, were, you, you went someplace else? How would you feel about that? He said, I wouldn't like that. I said, well, the best thing is you need to get, get that right. Don't you think so? Then he had a, had a great conversation. And this guy thought it was a miracle that he said, he said, wouldn't you know, I sit next to a preacher. And I said, you know, I believe in divine appointments. <laughs> and I said, so anyhow, it was a, it was a good, good uh, conversation. No, he didn't bow down in the airport altar, but he, but he did. And he, he, he said, thank you for our conversation. He said, I'll think about some of these things that you said. But that was a miracle to me. Why would God pick that guy to sit by me, a, a minister? And, uh, you know, there's things in our life that are miracles from God. Uh, in my life, I've worked places that I worked with people that I could not stand. But in the end, I look back and I said, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. It's a miracle. God knows, has divine appointments for each of us of where we need to be, how we need to be. And that we need to expect some miracles about how, what God is doing in our life. If you are a Christian, you carry the mantle of Jesus Christ. If you call yourself a believer, you are a representative of Jesus Christ. And where Jesus was at, miracles happened. And that's why I believe miracles are happening here in our congregation. Oh, it may not be miracles that you see. But in light of eternity, God is still alive. God is working and he's still changing the five loaves and two fishes into 5,000 and he is feeding the multitudes and he's feeding us today. Well, let me share three things this morning. Actually, in your notes, I left out a point and you'll be so glad, but I'm gonna throw it at you anyhow. But the point is this, there are three ingredients for a miracle instead of two. Three ingredients of a miracle. The first one is believing, is believing. Faith is necessary in order for a miracle to take place. I want you to examine your faith. What do you really truly believe God for in your life? What does he desire to do in your life? Because that's the miracle. Sometimes we, we do not desire much from us. We desire too little. I had a son-in-law that uh, he... Uh, told me once his attitude towards work was to do as little as possible and get by with it. And I said, Austin, Austin, Austin. You know, when we do our best, God does his best. And that's what faith is. It's necessary for, for a miracle. Believing for what the eye cannot see. Did you know God puts no limitations on our faith? The sky is the limit. He says if you've got enough faith, as a mustard seed, he said, you can move mountains. Now, how many of you want to move a mountain today? How many of you have burdens and things in your life that you like moved out of your life? Jesus can do that this morning. Whether it be a physical burden, a spiritual burden, 
an emotional burden, a mental burden, whatever burdens you this morning by faith this morning, God wants to remove it. He removed it when he went to the cross. Bill Gaither wrote a song several years ago talking about the death of Jesus on the cross. It is finished. There'll be no more war. There'll be no more battle. It's over. And that's what God has done. It's the ultimate miracle is when Jesus Christ came and did a miracle in our life and saved us from the, from the place of hell to a place in relationship with him. Faith puts no limitations. God, excuse me. God puts no limitations on faith. And faith puts no limitations on God. What do we believe God for this morning in our life? What do you need from God this morning? Without faith, the Bible says, it's impossible. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. And we understand that faith is a substance of things that we hope for. It's evidence of things not seen. Faith is an important part of your miracle to truly believe, to not only believe in yourself and believe in your neighbor, but believe in God. For all things are possible with God. The second ingredient of a type of miracle is obedience. Obedience, when we begin to obey what God has put into, a, put into our mind and into our heart. Obedience awakens the faith that is within us. James says, faith without works is what? It's dead. And obedience is doing what Christ commands us because we know he has spoken to our heart. We act upon the working of the spirit instead of the workings of the flesh. Faith and obedience. If we want a miracle in our life, it begins by faith. Maybe as small as a small mustard seed. And then it begins by obedience. Obedient to what God has called you to do. But the third thing that I didn't put in your notes this morning, but I need to add, I don't know whether it was, it was, it was Priscilla leaving out the third point or me leaving out the three points. Yeah, it was me, I know. The third point is this. If we want a miracle in our, in our life, we've got to have an attitude of expectancy. When I came here again, I expect a miracle. I expect a miracle of God to raise up this group of people who by faith and obedience rise to be the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. There is nothing that God does not want to do within us. He wants good things. He wants life change. I believe this morning, I have an expectancy this morning that as I pray, as the Old Testament prophet prayed, that God would bring people from the east, the west, the north, and the south. And that's my prayer this morning. I think maybe I've said this before. I believe God is here this morning. And I believe that God has filled these pews with his spirit this morning. Do you think that this morning? We, we have to expect. What did you expect when we came here this morning? 
We expect to sing some songs. We expect to hear some prayers. We expect a sermon. Hopefully it's a good sermon. Hopefully. That's a miracle. And, uh, but are we expecting that from God this morning that will tap us on the shoulder and change our life? To change some burden you're carrying. To change some, something that you have experienced in your life. You know, some of us carry burdens all of our life. And it always can diminish who we become. And it's all because we haven't given it all to Christ. There are burdens that we carry that we've got to get rid of. And that's a miracle. God, come and take this load off of me. Come and take this burden that I've been, been living through for such a long time. Lord, I need deliverance. I need transforming Expectancy. I want you to expect this morning something from God. As we look in the scripture briefly this morning, we look at Peter and John. Peter and John were closer than brothers. Why? Because of what they had transpired, they had recently transpired in their life. Jesus had left them to not depend anymore on their flesh, but on the Spirit of God. They had moved from a different perspective in their life. They no longer was dependent upon the nature of man, but now the nature of God to do the impossible. And we see in the early church, as I said, miracles has been a part of the history of Christendom. Miracle is still a, a, a characteristic of God's church today. Is when we see impossibilities take place, that's God. We sang the song, What a Mighty God We Serve. Do we believe that? That God can, can, can cross all problems and areas and barriers of life to be a mighty God whom he wants to become in our life. I want to give you three truths that need to be explored from this portion of scripture. Number one is this. Peter and John in this story saw someone who was a cripple. They did not see a beggar, but someone with a greater need. They looked beyond his tattered clothes and crippled body, and they saw a soul that was empty. The beggar thought, if I can just get some alms out of these guys, then I'll be living. It was a routine day for the cripple. The man had never been able to walk from birth. He had depended upon other people to help him. And so his life was one of begging and waiting and waiting on others. Now I want you to know that the Jewish day began at six o'clock in the morning and ended at six o'clock in the evening. And for the devout Jew, there were three special hours of prayer at 9 a.m., at 12 midday, midday, and at 3 p.m. And they would come together and agree that prayer was important wherever it was offered. But they felt that it was really precious when offered in the temple courts. Peter and John kept the customs. In the east, it was a custom for the beggars to sit at the entrance to a temple or shrine. 
Such a place was considered the best of all stances because when people are on their way to worship God, they are disposed to be generous to their fellow man. This miracle this morning took place outside the temple. And Peter and John saw someone that was not in need of alms as well as they were in need of Jesus. I want you to take a look around your life. What do you envision in the people that we meet every day? Are there cripples in your life? Are there those that are asking for alms and you know instead that they're in need of a relationship with Jesus? Sometimes we try to right the wrongs in this world by wrong methods. I believe it's if, if, if a miracle is going to take place in our life, it will be because we are a people that are looking out. We're not looking in. You know, it's so easy to criticize ourselves amongst ourselves. We can look at each other and somebody doesn't have a smile on their head. Someone's wearing unmatching clothes today. I wonder who it would be. My wife said, you shouldn't wear that shirt. It was wrinkled. A miracle. What, what do we see? We see the imperfections of, of everybody, don't we? We may be too small or too large, too tall or too short. Someone sees a cripple in me when I don't like fish. But you know what? Y'all believe in miracles, don't you? I ate some the other night. What do you see in those around you? Peter and John saw someone who was a cripple. Because they were looking out, not in. They were interested in bringing others to Christ. They had a passion for people and not the things and the programs and the rituals that we all tr traditionally have. I believe and expect from this group of people that are here this morning is you have a real hunger for God. I, I believe that. Now the world didn't tell me that and you didn't even tell me that this morning, but I believe in my spirit that you are here this morning because you want to you, wanna, you want something from God this morning. You want a miracle in your life. I want you to know this is a place to be loved, a place lo most of all to be loved by Christ. But it's a miracle when a church rises up with a spirit of expectancy and they come together to see God at work. The second thing in this portion of scripture, Peter and John had something that, that would not keep. When we were moving down here from Illinois, my wife started going through the pantry of, of pulling things out of the pantry. Can you believe she used to do a lot of canning? And would you believe we had some green beans? We was always eating green beans. And, you know, she pulled those green beans out. You know when she packed those things? That, uh, about 12 years ago. And had the date on them. And she said, oh, uh, she says, these aren't going to be any good. And, and indeed, they weren't any good. But you know, there's some things that just don't keep. Some things will keep. Like stones and diamonds. Some things can be preserved and pickled. But the real things in life cannot be kept. Such as 
Folks, if we try to keep love and watch it, we'll watch it turn to lust and selfishness. If we try to keep peace, we see it degenerate to war. If we try to keep our money, we watch it turn to greed. If we try to keep beauty, we'll become a mummy. If we try to keep Christ, we become everything that Christ did not call us people to be. Peter and John, can I keep the precious gift of life in Christ? He could only, they could only give it away. These apostles, like these apostles, everyone has something that will not keep. You have a relationship with Christ. If that's a, a real relationship with Christ, it will not keep. It must be given away for miracles to take place. Life at some time or other communicates one of its deepest secrets. To one it's the secret of their beauty. To another the secret of their endurance. To another the secret of uh, beyond the rim of time and space. And these things will not keep. They must be given away. I once preached a sermon on givers or takers. I believe it's the givers that give with expectancy that God will bring a blessing in the midst of our gift. It's the takers that take those gifts and they keep it to themselves to enjoy it. And before long, it becomes misery because they've not done anything with that gift. Song that says, freely you have received, freely give. You can only give forgiveness to someone if you've received forgiveness. You can only give love if you've received love. You can only give compassion if you have received compassion. You can only give peace if you've received it. Folks, you can only give Jesus if you've received him. Thirdly, Peter and John gave something that was not asked for in this portion of scripture. What was the beggar asking for? He was asking for alms. What did he get? Peter says, silver and gold, I don't have any of that. I've said that often, haven't you? Silver and gold I, have, I do not have, but such as I have, I give to you. And that should be our desire for the life that we live in those relationships that we have in life. Hey, we don't have much to give them. But what we do have, we give in the name of Jesus. And it says when they, they gave him Jesus, they reached down their hand, they helped him come up. And it says he went leaping and praising God. Leaping and jumping and praising God. And I haven't seen the church of God jump in a long time. Maybe we need to practice. Mary, you lead us in that? <laughs> Peter and James... Peter and John gave this gift of Jesus and it changed this man's whole life. He received, excuse me, the man was expecting but received that which he did not ask for. That was healing. You know, we have expectations for things and sometimes they're just the simple things. But sometimes in those expectations, God wants to supersede our expectations. I, I, I tell you, when I came to this congregation, I had expectancy 
but you have superseded my expectations with the way that you love and the way that you give of yourself. I believe that God wants to bless this congregation as we give of ourselves in so many different ways. Some of you may know that on Wednesday nights we've had a young couple that's been coming to our Wednesday night Bible studies. They're not our flavor. They live across the street. They're black. And they've been coming to our Bible studies and with a very humble spirit. And one of the things really hurt me was as they were fixing to leave when the lady said to me, Pastor, do you think we would fit in at your church? I said, fit in? I said, if I can fit in, surely you can fit in. This is a place for everyone. That's a miracle how God wants to bring people together from all different places. We are different people. But yet God has made us one through him. That's a, that's a miracle. It's a miracle I can get along with James Vickery. <laughs> I love James Vickery. It's a miracle he can love me. That's the miracle I want us to think about this morning in our lives. The gift that you have and the gift that I have that we can give away to others. And that's the miracle of God. God has called us to go into all the world and to preach the gospel and to teach them to observe those things that Jesus taught us. He taught us how to love one another, didn't he? He taught us how to give away ourselves. He taught us how to be people of God. Well, there's a lot that is in this portion of scripture. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to close with this. If you do what you can with what you have where you are, God won't leave you where you are and he will increase what you have. I think I wrote that down in my notes. On our trip to Florida, as most of you know, we went with Ray and Dana Owens. And we drove. And again, we're still friends after we got back. And, um, but you know, along the way, the gas sometimes runs out of gas, or the car runs out of gas, and you got to stop for gas. You know, these, you hate these things. There's a new, I don't know how, how new it is, but not very new. There's a new chain of gas stations. Uh, it's called Bucky's. Anybody been to Bucky's? Of course you have Nancy. Monkeys, Bucky's is a new chain of restaurants, and believe it or not, they have uh, just a wide area for service. They got a store there, they got candy, they got food, they got walls lined with food. They have 120 gas pumps. Can you believe that? And they're advertised for miles out. And they have electric car charges. Uh, they are known for their, they have won an award for cleanliness of bathrooms. Women, y'all, 
That's the place to go. Snacks, briskets, and other uh, accommodations for the traveler. And as more buckies are going up, they are being swamped because of their service. You know, there's one thing that they don't allow on their property. 18 wheelers. Isn't that amazing? It's all cars. And they don't allow that. What a miracle. And this place is building all over the place. Why? It's because it's a common need. People like to drive, get their gas, get their refreshments all at one place. You don't need a Wendy's or a McDonald's at Bucky's. You can just go in there and grab something and hit the road again. That's what we did. It's, it's, a, it's kind of a miracle because that's a need. And they're making millions, if not billions of dollars. What do we see as the need of that relationship in our life? What are we expecting from our touch on their life? I don't know how many of you was alive back in 1932. Some of you probably were. But it was not a very good time in history. Especially for business. But Ted and Dorothy bought a little drugstore in their little town. The little village of Wall, South Dakota. And the little town was barely surviving. Grasshoppers had eaten all of the crops in the region. It was a dust bowl because of a long drought, the hot temperatures. Their little drugstore was just not making it. And they were about to quit. One hot afternoon, with no customers in sight, Dorothy decided she would go home to take her afternoon nap. But something happened that she could not rest that afternoon because of the constant noise of traffic going by on the highway near their house. And it was in that moment she realized that most of these travelers were hot and tired. She went back to the store and worked out a fantastic marketing strategy. Maybe you've heard about it. She sent her husband, Ted, 25 miles in each direction of this little town and put up signs that read, free ice water at the Wall Drug Store, Wall, South Dakota. They put up signs 10 miles out of town on each side. And at five miles, they put another sign that said, hold on, it's only five miles to the wall drugstore and free ice water. And don't you know, before Ted even got back to the store, people were stopping for free ice water. And while they were getting that ice water, would you imagine some bought ice cream? And they bought other things. And they struggled to keep up with the constant flow of people coming into this small drugstore. I want you to know that today, decades later, there are signs all over the world telling you just how far it is for free ice water in Wall, South Dakota drugstore. More than 20,000 people, they say, crowd the drugstore each day that has now gone to be a city block. 
And it happened in a town of less than 800 residents. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes we want miracles to be so complicated. But it's sincerely, it's so simple things that people are in need of today. They are in need of love, God's love. They are in need of joy and peace. I leave you with this this morning. How is that miracle, next miracle, going to take place in your life and in my life? How is that next miracle going to take place in the life of our congregation as we are faithful and with faith, obedient and expectant of what God wants to do next in our life? We're going to have to have expectancy. It's not going to happen if we don't expect it to happen. It's not going to happen if we are not obedient. It's not going to happen if we don't have faith. Where's that miracle happening in in our life? God wants to continue to transform us and move us up in our relationship with God.